Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. This is an exciting church. Sure, what a week it's been with FLC 2021 standing out and saying, guys, it's time the church opens. You know, Frontline isn't really affected. We are very happy that they've opened the church to 100. Mostly we are less than 100. But we are standing with the church of South Africa as a whole and asking for the church to be open to 50% of capacity. We're not asking to go to 100% capacity because we understand that there is a pandemic and that there needs to be rules in, in place and that we need to be careful. But the church is saying it doesn't make sense when people have a 3,000-seater church to only be allowed 100 people. That doesn't make any uh, logical sense. That is purely wanting to control the church. That is not about the pandemic. That is about another fight. And that is why we're standing up and saying during the peak of the pandemic, the church was quiet because it was the right thing to do. But now we need to move into a different thing. That which was okay for 2020 is not okay in 2021. And we need to declare it boldly. And we need to say that there is a shift coming. There is a new word moving. And the church has taken it sort of like a little bit of a move backwards. And there are many churches that have lost their pastors. And there are many churches that have lost financially that cannot carry on in their buildings. Uh, even some of the churches that relate to us has had to give up their building and saying we're moving into another place because we cannot afford it due to the lockdown regulations and its effect on the church's finances. But we stand together with all of that and we're saying it's time, government, to hear that there's a change. Praise God, praise God. Oh, Lord Jesus, what do you want to say to the people this morning? You know, I want to start by a testimony. In around about 1990, we were in church in Port Elizabeth um, with Pastor Jimmy Crompton. And there was a revival service. And the people that wanted to attend the church was more than what there was place for in the church. So they asked us as leaders to go out of the service so that there could be place for others. And we went outside, but we so wanted to be part of the meeting that we tried to look through the window on the outside, but the window was too high. We couldn't reach the windows. So we were standing on each other's shoulders to try and look in the window because we wanted to be part of the service. Eventually, there was a preschool next to the church, and they had tractor tires against the wall of the church. So we climbed on top of those tractor tires to look into the window because the church was so alive, you didn't want to miss one second. The fact that there are not queues outside standing saying, I want to come in while the government is closing it. It's the church's fault. We have become a dead church, so nobody wants to come in. A greater danger to the church not opening is a dead church opening. We have to make sure that there is enough life inside of the church that the world wants to come and see it. We have to make sure that there's enough church happening outside the doors of the church that people want to come and be in church. 
When we're not living in the way the disciples lived, then nobody wants to be in church. Because they're not seeing the results of church in our life from Monday to Saturday. So they say, why must they, what's going to be there on Sunday? We've seen Hannes the whole week long and we haven't seen any miracles. We haven't seen any power. We haven't seen an alive Jesus. So why must we go to church on Sunday? The, church, the reason that there is no demand for the church to open is because the church has got quiet. So I don't want to just only ask the government, please open the church. I want to say, church, get up. Church, wake up. Church, change who you are from Saturday to, I mean, from Monday to Saturday, and the church will be full on Sunday. If we have a dead message to a dead people brought by dead Christians, there's going to be nothing to draw people. But when we have a testimony like Elder Elmery has just had and shared that I have experienced the life of Jesus, you could not deny when Joni came up and shared how she came to a crossroads in her life and had a moment with Jesus. It's not a thing that we taught her. It's not something that was brought by something else. It was her alone with God having a moment. And that is the life of Jesus. Jesus is not about just doctrine and worship and things that we do religiously. It is about alive moments with Christ. And that is what I get excited about. It's not about the service and we have a wonderful service. And online has forced us to structure our church more and more. But if we allow the structure to kill the spirit, then we're wasting our time. Then they could actually just say, government, close it. We'll just do an online service. And I'll move to Nisner and sit on my yacht with a studio on my yacht. And I'll minister to you from there. Hey, wouldn't that be nice? But God says that's not the way it's going to go. I want people to make contact with people. I want something to happen that is truly life-changing. That you cannot just do from far away. I'm not saying that we won't sometimes minister from our yacht in Nazna. <laughs> I'm not saying that we won't sometimes minister from the peaks of Lesotho. But I'm saying that there will be a place where there's life. There will be life and there will be reality. You see, if we go back to the scripture that Apostle Nikki did this week in Judges 7, Gideon called the people out and they had to go fight against um, Midian in verse 2 of Judges 7. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me. And that's sort of like what's happened to the church. We have the way that it looked like it was all done in the natural was stopped for the whole year. From the 5th of March last year, when we were at FLC until this year, this time. I need to just quickly talk about the 5th of March. Yesterday, the 5th of March was Friday. We were married for 33 years. You need to give mom a hand. Because to live with this difficult old man for 33 years, you deserve a medal. Oh. I love you, and I look forward to another 33 years, okay? <laughs> so it says this. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned. 
and 10,000 remained. And the problem is there's people sitting at home watching um, TV of a service because they're afraid and they count themselves as a Christian. And God says, if you're afraid, rather turn back. Oh, now it's got quiet. <laughs> I can honestly say that in 2020, I heard God say to me, close the church, don't even, even though we were allowed 50 people, stay closed until I give the word. There was a time to hear that. But it cannot be out of fear, it must be out of obedience. It must be out of wisdom and not out of fear. If it's managed by fear, you are in trouble and God will tell you, turn around. Because even if it is at risk that you might get arrested, like mom says, even if it is at risk that you might get ill, we need to hear what God says more than what we hear what our fear says. Because if fear can make you stay at home, it will also stop you from operating in the spirit. Because if you can't hear the Spirit of God about coming to church, you will not hear the Spirit of God saying, go pray for that one. Go lay hands upon this one. Go encourage that one. Yeah, but what are they going to think about me? There's a time to not worry about that. And we know the story that eventually it came down to 300 people. And this is the process of God. From, from 32,000 down to 300 is quite a huge percentage. It's quite a process. Not everybody is going to be able to go into the battle where God is taking it. God wants to get rid of those that are just flowing along without fully taking up the fight, without being willing to pay the price that it costs. Because a dead church is more dangerous than an open church. A dead church has got nothing to offer them. You know, in the Middle Ages, and I've often shared this, but I need to go back there again. The church was dead, and there was no revelation. There was no, in the world, no new designs. Everything just stayed the same for hundreds of years. For nearly a thousand years, everything came down, and it's known as the Dark Ages, because everything came down. And the biggest reason was, that people were not allowed to read the Bible for themselves. They could only get a revelation from a priest that spoke in the front. Until in about the year 1500, I think 1520, the Lord spoke to Martin Luther and said to him, a revelation comes from me speaking to people and not through anybody else. You cannot replace the word of a preacher or your spiritual father, let it allow it to replace what you hear from God. I'm very much believing that God gives a word to a leader that takes a direction. And that's why we're flowing with Pastor Atten, with uh, Pastor Nikki, And I believe you guys are flowing with us. Because God has structure. But when God speaks to an individual, it overrides all of that. When God says to you, what do you do about being arrested? What do you do about your family's safety? What do you do? God keeps you responsible. And so Martin Luther put up the message in 1517. And he saw that salvation and consequently eternal life are not earned by good deeds, but are received as a free gift of God's grace through the believer's faith. At that time, how did you deal with sin? You came to pay a pittance. Thinking that you can pay what Jesus, replace what Jesus paid by something you pay. 
You can never pay the price. The price is too big. You don't have enough money to pay the price for your sin. Not even Bill Gates or the owner of Amazon or any one of those has got enough money to pay for the wages of their sin. So you can never replace. And here it comes. It's the free gift that is earned by coming to Jesus and saying, I repent. Forgive me. And then his blood comes into operation. And Martin Luther puts that up. And the church is upset. And I believe it's like that time when Gideon spoke and 22,000 people went home. They stayed where they are, where many moved forward. And the church is in that kind of position again, where either you're going to stay as you are, or you're going to move forward. Because there's a fear we're held some people back. We can't change the status quo. We're used to having somebody else go to God and finding out for us and coming to tell us what to do. But Martin Luther comes and tells us, man, you must have a relationship with Jesus. It's not through a priest or a father or somebody else. It's about you and Jesus. And most of the churches of today is built on that principle. And it says the free gift of God's grace through the believer's faith in Jesus Christ as redeemer from sin. His theology challenged the authority and the office of the Pope by teaching that the Bible is the only source of divinely revealed knowledge. You see, suddenly, whatever structure was put in place to usurp that which God wants to do one-on-one gets moved aside. And he gets into trouble with the whole um, theological process because now their power is under, th- under threat. Now their process is under threat. And there's only one way now. People are going to talk to Jesus themselves. What chaos is going to happen if people read the Bible for themselves? That's what the, they, the, the people of the time said. And the people start reading the Bible by themselves and thousands of churches across the world starts. A whole new freedom comes through those who were not scared of challenging the authority. But what happens? That message sort of like waters down, waters down. And a couple of years later, God gives a new revelation that it's not good enough for you to be baptized as a child. You must get baptized when you make a decision to follow Jesus. Because the Bible says, repent and be baptized. That's clear in the Bible. And the religious people of the time has allowed the message of Martin Luther to come down to structure and process and dead works. And half the people stay behind and God moves on through some in the Baptist church movement that starts. A while later, again in the 1900s, the Pentecostal move starts. Why? Because God again says, you need to speak in tongues. The the word said, wait until power comes upon you and then goes out. So there was a clear, that there's a moment that you give your life to Christ. And then there was a second experience. It doesn't change about going to heaven, but it changes about your authority on earth. And again, a whole lot of people moved on with this new revelation. And others stayed behind. And now you have different dimensions. And every time there's this 22,000 just like Gideon's, that stays behind, but God moves on with a 300. God moves on with a certain percentage. In the 1960s, the charismatic move starts, which is built out of this word from God that says the gifts of grace, that you don't have to do anything to earn the gift 
of the power of the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is to wait for God to come upon it. Because the Pentecostals started saying, well, if you take a drink, then you can't have the Spirit of God. If you do this, then you can't take it. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't live holy. But I've got to say that the gift of God is a gift. And you cannot earn it, you apply it. Does that make sense? That the gift of operating in the power of God is a pure gift. It isn't a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is there and it's important and we must deal with that. But if we focus on just the fruits, you know what happens. That you say, okay, well, I stay married to one woman for 33 years. Well, the world also does that. I do my taxes. Well, the world also does that. I make sure I live by integrity and I don't tell lies. And in business, I do what I say and I say what I do. And the world also does that. But there's something that the world doesn't do. It doesn't walk up to a sick person and say, get up and walk. It does not say to those that are suffering, Jesus has got an answer for you. It doesn't change the doctor's report. So there is something that must happen in power that the church cannot afford to lose. And the problem with the online service is often is that that power is diluted. That power is difficult. There's a place where God says, walk up to somebody and tell them that today is the day that God has made. And today is the day that everything's going to change. And that can only happen in person. In Luke 10, God sends out the 72. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns he planned to visit to. So this 72 isn't the 12 apostles because there's a, there's a teaching that says the gifts were only for the 12 apostles. It was for Jesus and then it was for the 12 apostles. But this scripture upsets that whole theology because it's another 72. It's not the guys that lived with Jesus. It's not the guys that Jesus did some special impartation of. They were people just like me and you. They were normal people. And God sent them ahead in pairs in towns and places he planned to visit. Verse 2 of Luke 10. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Sending can't happen if there's no getting together. I'd say, first come and then be sent. How do I send out those that are online on the service? That I don't really know what their lives are like. That I don't really know who they really are. We have many wonderful people that follow us from across the world. And they're wonderful. But we only know their online persona. And anybody that has studied social media will tell you somebody's online persona is different from their real life persona. And the church cannot only function of us sitting here and ministering across the world, but there being no real life connection. How do we send out those that we don't know? Um, and he said, don't take any money with you. So don't let money ever be the reason why you don't go. 
The going doesn't cost anything. Who knows that some of us have said, and I've said it as a youngster, a young Christian, I'll start preaching when God gives me a big truck with lights and sound, and I can go on a huge camp, uh, crusade with tents, and I have a thousand people that travel with me, then I'll lay my hands upon the sick. Then I'll start believing God for the miracles. Or if I can get onto the pulpit, if I can have the mic, then you must see what's going to happen. But God says, don't take any money with you. So what he's actually saying, don't allow anything to stop you. Don't allow the lack of resources to stop you from going. Because if he's sending you out, he's going to provide. Stop waiting, church. Stop waiting for something that you've put into to place. Oh, Let's jump to verse 16. Then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is also rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. When the 72 returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. I have a personal fight against guys using God's name just as a general full stop or something in there. Because when we operate in God's name, there is a power that operates immediately and we need to know that that name carries authority and we cannot just use it as a swear word in the midst of our speaking. Because all the angels in heaven jumps to attention and says, what now? What must I do now? Oh, it's just Hannes again using it as a swear word. Even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Church, why are we not seeing Satan fall from heaven like lightning? Because we're waiting for somebody to say, come and preach. We're waiting for somebody to give us an opportunity. We're waiting for the finances. We're waiting for the provision. We're waiting and waiting and waiting instead of allowing the church to come alive. Right where we are and whatever we do. The church is here to send out. The church is not here to be a happy, clappy club of people that like each other. And Frontline is in danger to becoming just a happy, clappy club of people that do nothing and just sits around and be nice and happy together. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. As long as I'm here, I'm going to send and I'm going to challenge and I'm going to shake. And saying, God, let us step out of our comfort zones. Let us step out of sitting on church, just listening to a word preached. Oh, I had to say, I know when Pastor Ad preached. Because he said, what do we do when the worship's on, online? We turn the sound down. And I had to say, I was guilty of that on that very service. We arrived at our place where we were taking a little break. And we rushed to get there by 6 o'clock so that we could watch the service. And the worship was on and I turned the sound down and did some things about settling down. I was waiting for the preaching to start. What an insult to God when you turn the worship down. And I repent publicly that I messed up. Because I realized that online, worship is not the same as inside the house of God. Online, worship doesn't seem to work well. Except if you truly have all the systems and the to put up a really big show 
it doesn't work well. And we turn it down and we wait for the service to start, but the service has already started. If that's you, then if you cannot listen to the worship online, get into church. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Keep the main thing the main thing. It's not about your authority or your big ministry or your opportunity on the stage. It is about the power of God operating through you. We can't sit in church and think we've arrived. We've managed to get the church open to our hundred. Our church is comfortable at just below a hundred. We don't need anything more as frontline. We need to know this is a spiritual fight. And we need to keep the power of God alive in this church. I'm going to make sure I'm part of the 300. I'm not going to be the 22,000 that goes home. And as a leader and as an apostle, that is a huge challenge for me. To say, God, I will not fall into the trap of becoming a church that is quietened down. I've become part of a church that just keeps the engine running without actually getting it into gear. There's enough idling happening on uh, Facebooks and the places happening. We need to be a church that's on the front line of what God is doing. Acts 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid down at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us! So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. When the church loses that instruction, it can just as well stay closed. It doesn't cost money. It doesn't need Great services and a band and worship team and a truck and what have you. It just needs one person that says, I'll be obedient. Why has it got so quiet? <laughs> has the church closed by any chance? <laughs> it takes a man or a woman of God that says, God, you've given me something and I can't keep it for myself. I can't keep it inside anymore because it's inside of me. And I need to touch those that are sitting at the temple's gate that cannot get in. And I need to give them something for free because their lives are going to change. Why do I fight for the right to pray in tongues in church? Because God says, wait until power comes upon you and then go out. And the power comes when we pray together, when we worship together, when we stand together. Something changes inside of us. And we have those kind of moments that Joni spoke of where we have a real encounter with God. And from that encounter comes the moment that we can minister to the broken. I'm tired. 
of walking past the lame and the broken and the hurting and giving them nothing. Because I myself was so stuck in my own struggle that I have nothing to give. Church is not about us. It's not about us. It's not about our struggle. We've got to get past that and saying, God, let that which is inside of me burst forth. Frontline, I want us to have a 300 experience. I want us to have an experience where you're saying, I'm either going home or I'm going to the battle. But sitting here still doing nothing, I cannot do anymore. Sitting here playing church, I cannot do anymore. Then I can rather go sit in Nisna and relax and just do nothing. Okay, I'm just joking about that. But you understand what I mean is that we either need to have life and fire in our bones that changes lives on a daily basis inside the church and outside the church, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Because God is with us all the time. We need to go read that part where he sends out the 72 and say, God, this is me. You know what people, I've heard people cry out, God, send me, send me, send me. Well, I can tell you, you are already sent. The very day you live your life to Christ, you are sent. Don't come to me, well, that's not my calling. Don't come to me, well, I'm not anointed for that. Well, then fall on your knees until the anointing comes. But do something, stay in a place of worship until it comes. Because God says, go. What does it say? Pray that the Lord sends out more. Uh, Luke 10, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs and places to plan visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. A dead church of people sitting, full of people doing nothing for Christ, is worth less than a small church that is on fire, that is doing the work. And I'm not against big churches. I want Frontline to become a big church. But I don't want us to become a big dead church. I don't want us to even become a small dead church. That's even worse. But we need to saying, you see miracles happening. You know, I was in my 20s when I suffered from an ulcer. My family knew that every time I ate, it was half an hour coughing and struggling and sometimes coughing out blood. And I had an easy job. I didn't have a lot of stresses in life, although at that time I thought it was highly stressful. But if I had to, with that ulcer, do what I'm doing now, I would die. Okay? I would not be able to live through a day. Sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd be coughing and coughing and coughing and coughing because at the very top of my stomach, on that valve, I had a huge ulcer. That meant it didn't close properly to keep food in. And it bled continuously. One day, in that very nice, now we're in the spur, eating with pastor friends of ours, Pastor Lynn and Pastor Jerome. And I ate a piece of steak and I coughed and coughed and coughed until I was on the floor in the spur coughing. I just couldn't get the food down. And in a loud voice, Pastor Lynn gets up. In the spur, packed, small town, so everybody knows each other. And she rebukes the demon of an ulcer right there in the spur. I go down like a ton of bricks, lights out in the midst of the spur. Total chaos. A whole lot of people standing around taking photos. And 
absolute embarrassment for a businessman in town to be lying on the floor in the spur. But I was healed. I still sometimes struggle to cough because there's a scar on that same valve and sometimes it doesn't close 100%. But I have never bled from that ulcer again. And that is now 30 years. Maybe not quite, maybe 28 years. I have since been in such stressful situations that if I had that same ulcer now, like I say, it would be a complete mess. But somebody had to be willing to, in the midst of the spur, get up and say, I rebuke you, demon of illness. Your infirmity shall not hold this young man. Somebody had to embarrass themselves because the church wasn't willing to do it in church. God had to do it in the spur. Because the church was too embarrassed to do it in church, God did it there. I honestly believe I wouldn't be alive if God didn't heal me from that. If God didn't that day step in, the list of medicines that I was on is as long as my arm, and it didn't bring freedom. It sort of like dealt with the symptoms a little bit, but it never brought healing. Until somebody got up and said, I rebuke you, Satan, you will not hold this young man. So God has to move, either in the church or in the spur, but God has to move. I don't care if it's on the steps of pick and pay or at the doors of the church, but we need to wake up church and say, God, I've given church, God has given us something, and we need to operate with it. I'd rather let the church close than let it be a dead church. Because the greatest danger for the work of God is a dead church. And a dead church is a greater danger to the work of God than a closed church. The charismatic church came through in the 1960s. And what it then did was there was this one stream of Pentecostal churches that came out of the Baptist church. But when the charismatic church came out of the Every single church, people had a touch from God. God moved in all the churches. God moved in the Inca church, in the Methodist church, in the Anglican churches. So you had like Anglican churches that were traditional, and you had a charismatic Anglican church down the road. Okay? Those who've been around for a while, will you recognize that? And some of the Anglican churches were more anointed than the charismatic church. They had greater power happening. And we would have combined youth meetings with all the congregations there, and out of all the congregations, there were spirit-filled people. But now, it's got quiet. The church has got quiet. And especially, and I want to say this, the youth has got quiet. And when the youth is quiet, there's great, great danger to the work of God. Youth, hear me, God says, wake up, young people. Wake up, young people. I'm blessed to know that we have many students and school children in this church and God is going to cause a wake up and a shake up among the young people that is going to again make us do whatever we can to get into church if they can't open that door they'll be by that window but they want to have what God's got for them they want to experience what Jesus has for them and we have the responsibility to make sure
And fixing his eyes on him, John Peter said, look. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So him leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, <laughs> walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Almari also touched on something that I prepared for my sermon. That when you're fighting for something that's life and death, there's normally many other stresses at the same time. You normally fight the fight in the valley. You fight the fight not on the peaks when everything's going well, but how are you reacting to God at the times when the chips are down? When everything around you feels like it's not working. When your finances are not the way they're supposed to be. When your marriage is not the way they're supposed to be. When your children are not behaving the way you want them to behave. Are you still the one who carries the anointing of God? Oh, now it's got quiet. Has somebody closed the church? Is it empty? David had to go down to the valley to face Goliath. Daniel had to go into the lion's den, which was down there, to go and face what his challenges were. Sometimes at your very lowest point, you need an encounter with God, and it will affect others. It will bring others to freedom. This past 12 months, the church of God has been shaken to its core. Pastors have died, churches have closed, other churches were only online, and it's just a fraction of it. You take a thousand-seated church, and they go online, and there's only a hundred viewers online. And you say, where's the other 900? Where are they? Are they okay? Do they need something? What about, like Pastor Ad said, those that cannot afford data? What about those that do not have access to the online service? When we open those doors, we don't have a, a say, you must pay so much for your data. We don't say, well, you must first put your money in the offering, then we'll open the doors. When we open those doors, anybody and everybody is welcome. Doesn't matter if you have money or not money, you are welcome to come in. Even if you are a beggar sitting at the gate of the temple, you are welcome. But I don't want you to stay there. I want to see a change. My greatest heart's desire is to see the utmost poor South Africa getting such a touch from God that they come out of their poorness, that they come out of become business owners, become employers, those that don't have work to become employers, those that don't have money to be the ones who lend out money. And that is we need in a church that is alive and that is ministering and that has the power and the authority to say, get up and walk. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website, 
www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.